Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. My conversation with um, Daniel Handler, a.k.a. Lemony Snicket, is up there now. What a funny, interesting guy. This was a, we, this was a podcast. But I also recorded it, and I just I wanted to include a video version of it. Just a great conversation. He's an interesting guy. Had a lot of cool things to say about children's literature and about pacing and about philosophy and bewilderment. Check it out. It's a great conversation. Authormagazine.org, and we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They have been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955, and they're still doing it. And no matter where you are, you can participate in uh, their conferences, many of which are going to be online now, going to be virtual. We'll be doing live ones again, but also, you know, classes. It's a lot they offer, and they're good people, and I highly recommend you check them out at pnwa.org. Uh, so so how, does my, how does my voice sound, everybody? You know what I was doing yesterday? I spent all day... Uh, I spent all day recording the first hundred pages of Everyone Has What It Takes, A Writer's Guide to the End of Self-Doubt. Yes, the audiobook will be coming out in December. I think they said they're gonna, we're going to record it all this week, just bang it out, and, uh, and it'll be out December 14th, I think they said. It's amazingly fast turnaround. And uh, how cool is that? So, hey, maybe you didn't buy a copy for yourself. Well, what better than to have me read it to you? Just me, just read it right to you. I get all animated, get all excited when I read it. And uh, so I just got a little hoarse in my voice, but I'm I'm hanging in there. Anyway, a lot of fun. Can't wait to share that with you. And I can't wait to share my conversation with today's guest, Christy Alexander Hallberg. Yes, she's got a brand new novel. She's a debut novelist searching for Jimmy Page, one of my boyhood heroes, kind of. Uh, Searching for Jimmy Page is out from Livingston Press. That just came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, She is a teaching professor of English at East Carolina University, where she earned her BS and MA in English, and she got her MFA in creative writing from Goddard College. She is the senior associate editor of the North Carolina Literary Review. Her short fiction, creative nonfiction, book reviews, and interviews have appeared in such journals as North Carolina Literary Review, the Main Street Rag, Fiction Southeast, uh, Rig Welter, Ridge Welter, Rig Welter, I'm going to say, Deep South Magazine, I should have tried to pronounce all these things beforehand, Ecclesia, Ecclesia, I'm going to find out from her, Litro Magazine, Storgy Magazine, Entropy, Story South, Still the Journal, and Concho River Review, her flash story, Aperture, was chosen Story of the Month by Fiction Southeast in October 2020. The editors of the Best Small Fiction uh, Anthology series chose it for inclusion in their 2021 issue. And Christy's with us now. Christy, how are you doing? Hi, Bill. I am doing well. I'm thrilled to be here. And you sound great for somebody who's just been reading a whole bunch of his book. Uh God, it's a strange experience, Christy. I will tell you that. I'm, uh, I'm sure. 
it's enjoyable, but it's unusual. And now, did I, Aklesha, Klesha? What, what? Yeah. Tell me. Tell me. You're fine. You're fine. You're, you, you did well. You did as well as I would have, I think. Okay, good. I, you know, I <laughs> we'll usually just can dash these things off, but literary magazines are notoriously fucky sometimes. Yeah. All right. So as I said in my intro, two weeks ago, uh, October 20th, Searching for Jimmy yep. Page, your first published novel. I'm just, I'm yep. going to, I'll lay money right out of my pocket right now. It wasn't the first one you've written, but I, my, you know. It's definitely the first one you've published. Uh, it's out. How are you doing? How are you feeling? You breathing okay? Oh, are you? How is it? Um, breathing okay. I I am breathing. I don't know if it's okay, but I am breathing. Uh-huh. Um, this has. I feel like I'm in the eye of a hurricane, and I'm not even with some huge press on this huge, you know, right. tour. So I can't imagine how those people feel. This is crazy enough on a smaller scale. What's crazy about it for you? It just, just all of the activity. I, I launched it on October the 21st in New York City at uh-huh. uh, KGB Red Room. Um, oh, nice. That, so you, wait, so yeah. you did a live in-person event. You actually <laughs> stepped into a room with I other did. people. I did. All right. I did. Good. And, and it was just magical it, it couldn't it? have gone better yeah i had wonderful people working with me on that um dana frank helped out with that um carrie robinson interviewed me for that it was an in conversation sort of thing and yeah. it was just it was wonderful so it's just all the activity it's so frenetic right now that my head's spinning nice. a bit nice it's good you know look I published a book in June. I mean, I love this book, but it, the, 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 yeah. the, the, everything was still really happening, you know, the, yeah. uh, the, the, the lockdown. So I really, I did some events, but, you know, they were all over Zoom and it is not the same. Usually it was, that would have been when I was doing conferences. And so, and it just, I did conferences, but they're all virtual. So it's really nice mm-hmm. for you because it was a weird kind of experience. Uh, this book is doing okay, but it was like, it was kind of a non event almost because it was all virtual. So I'm really glad for you that you're able to, cause there's something about people actually <laughs> being with, uh, being able to right. launch with people. Cause you're so, you know how it is, Christy, you're so, it's so in your head. You're so right. alone with it. Even if you're working with your editor, it's such a closed environment and then boom, to have mm-hmm. the roof taken off. It's nice. Mm-hmm. I think. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's such a, a solitary activity for all those years, right? Oh, and this God. is a whole different animal now. But, yeah. but I agree with you. I mean, being able to feed off the energy of, of people in the room is, is something that's really special. So yeah. I'm glad I got to go there and do that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, so, okay, so it, so it just came out. And so, and, you know, and I, I think it's almost more so than um, things that you publish in periodicals. Um, now, I don't know if you've gotten this sense yet, but the, the sense of the book now sort of belonging to the world, you know, instead of not yeah. yours anymore in the way it was while you yeah. were working on it. Does that resonate with yeah. you? Oh, yeah. I'm type A. I like control. So I don't have any. <laughs> this is freaking me out. That's over, baby. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, I know. You know, it's like you... go get a drink and just ride the wave. Yeah. 
It's really, I think that, I actually think that, that the, whether we're conscious or unconscious of it, I think that loss of, you know what it reminds me, I used to do theater, I did sketch comedy and my brother and I would do it together. We'd put up all these posters. This is back in the eighties. There was, so we would put up these posters around town and we'd want people to come. And I can still remember like, then all these people came and I remember being backstage and thinking now this shows as much theirs as it is mine. Like what happened is going to, is going to be as much dependent on them as me. It's not my, like they are in, they don't understand it, but they have a lot of control over what happens. Uh, Right. How to give it up. So uh, Christy, uh, are you somebody I just, you, you know, just reading your bio, it just reeks of someone who has been into stories and writing since she was a girl. I can just see you. I feel like I can see you in your bedroom with a <laughs> with a journal open in your lap, maybe some Led Zeppelin playing, but I don't know. Is this am I am I just summoning this from nothing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My my bio reads that that is for sure. But <laughs> absolutely, I mean absolutely. I was I was the kid in my bedroom with all my rock star posters on the wall that my mother helped yeah. me hang. And the music playing, and it's funny, yeah. I, I can't write now with, with music playing at that time. No, but, no, no. Yeah, but always music and, and the posters in the room. And my little, when I was a kid, it was a diary with the lock and the key. Yeah, and all yeah. That. yeah. Oh, and then nice. later, yeah. Then later, later it was a journal. And yes. <laughs> I, I, so, yeah, I've been writing since I was, shoot, I guess, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old. Yep. yep. You know, that is poems and such. Yep. Yep. That is, I will tell you, uh, I've interviewed a lot of writers and I like to talk about when it starts and eight, seven, eight, nine, that's kind of nine is like the average age, you know, Mm, there's, mm -hmm. there's variation, but there's something about that. I think there is something about us. I was just writing about this in my, my new book, but there's something autonomous that happens around age nine where you start becoming aware of you having yeah. to make decisions about yourself in the world, I think, that seems mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. overlap. So this is interesting because when I think about my childhood, uh, you and I are probably listening to a lot of the same music. And um, mm. music was hugely important to me. I mean, I just, oh, like, yeah. it was just like the pulse that kept me alive, I felt like. Right. And, you know, I write music now, finally. I finally let myself in my old age to really start writing it. It's great. But oh. I would say I was more in, I knew I was going to be a writer, but I was probably uh-huh. more influenced by musicians than by fiction writers and poets to some degree. I, I, I honestly right. think they were more aesthetically important to me. Does that, because mm-hmm. I, I only, I mentioned it to you because obviously music was so important to you, but you chose not to pursue it. You, you were going towards the, the silent pen. Do you ever think about that? Well, I, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also wanted to be um, a singer and an actress. In high school, I was president of the mm. drama club. Mm. And I, I did take voice lessons for a while. And then I took guitar lessons for a while. But I have really right. small hands. So I was never oh. going to be any good at it. Okay. But, um, and, and I just figured out, oh, I'm not, not all that good at the other thing either. So let's just stick with right. something that maybe I could potentially get good at. And so that was writing, but that music was the first art form that grabbed me and it it really grabbed me. Yeah, it does. You know, it's something about it. And I I was talking to Richard Powers, um, the novelist, my, he interviewed Mm -hmm. him a couple months back and I was talking about Mm -hmm. writing 
And and I'd forgotten this because I, I do think that writing is unique of the arts in that it's the only art form that really is all about thought. Like that's really all you yeah. have is thought. But he was like, yeah, but, and I'd forgotten how much I used to feel this way. There is a music to language. There are, there is sound, oh, yeah. there is the pause, there is the, and you, mm-hmm. I really think you do a nice job of working with that. By the way, people, Searching yeah, for Jimmy you. Page is a beautiful book. Uh, very, mm. just, 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 just steamy and Southern and uh, <laughs> really beautifully done. So go out and get it, people. Thank you, um, Thank but, you so much. But that, but I always felt like when I was writing that I didn't understand how to write music yet, but I felt I could bring music, like I will do it through the prose. I'll do it through the poetry. Yeah. Did you ever mm-hmm. think that way yourself? Always, if I'm not listening to it, it's still in my head. There's, yeah. I, I'm attracted to writers who use music in their work, who are rhythmic writers. Toni Morrison's a great example of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I like, and James Baldwin too, and I like yeah. that flow, that rhythm, that, you know, that, that sort of, say, I, I want to be able to hear the music in the words that they're yeah. writing. Yeah. And, and so that's always been important to me. I remember in an early, early draft of this book, and it was a totally different book in that version I kept listening to um, a blues song, and now it, it totally escapes me now. John, it was by John Lee Hooker. Oh, uh-huh. gosh, it completely escaped me. But I would listen to it over and over and over again, trying to get that syncopation, trying to get that rhythm. <laughs> in, your, in your writing. In, in yeah, the writing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, it's a, if there is a thing, you catch a... It, I, I, I read writers where I know they're not tapped into it. And it's okay. Like, you don't have to be tapped into that. You can write, you can be effective in many different ways. But I do mm-hmm. like it when I, when I encounter, a, I mean, I remember the first time I read Dylan Thomas. And I was like, yeah. what? Oh, geez. And actually, you know what? Uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, when I was uh-huh. 15, I read him. I was like, this is freaking awesome. <laughs> this is like, this is music. Yeah. There's just no music yeah. to it. You know, uh, right. so, all right. So you love music and you're writing and writing now. Um, obviously you, you worked in short form a lot. Um, mm-hmm. were you, but you know, there's something about a, a creative writer and you got your MFA. I mean, you must've had your eye on the novel from forever. Right. I mean, isn't that oh, just yeah. it like every, right. That's sort of the thing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I read my first novel when I was 12, and it was in longhand in pencil, and it was a total, it was a total ripoff of S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders, because I was obsessed ah, with that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, oh, it's it like was a rock and roll enough. book in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it, well, yeah, it is. And it was, my book was about a girl gang. So sure. Oh, that I just turned always, it on head. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I've always wanted to write a novel, and I always knew, well, once I became obsessed with Led Zeppelin when I was 15, and I just always knew at some point, they're going to, especially Jimmy Page, they're going to find their way into my work. It it just took a a hell of a long time for it to come to fruition, for me to be ready to write Interesting. Man, so I was going to ask you about that. I mean, being willing to actually put the guy's name in your title. Um, mm. did you have any, uh, 
any uh, – I mean, I think it's fine, but did you have any sort of second thoughts about that? Or was like, nope, that is the title, by God. No, I always knew it was the title, and especially after I saw um, Looking for Mr. Goodbar. I just saw oh, you know, that movie. Okay. I, I love that movie, and I something clicked when I, when I saw that. I thought, I'm going to do some variation on that title for my book title. I should and mention then, and it's, for it's some... a story. Yeah, go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, go. no, 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 no. Please uh, continue. <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, there's just a lot of searching going on in the book way beyond for Jimmy Page. Right. Right. And I should mention to our listeners, some of whom may not know, Jimmy Page is a guitar player who played for a band called Led Zeppelin, who are huge in the late 60s and mm. 70s, not the 80s. Mm-hmm. And he's considered sort of one of the great guitar heroes of that era. Uh, Amen. And, and he was, uh, he could play a riff, man. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, and so, hey, you know what? I, it's not now out of the question that having written this book, you might meet the guy. You just don't know it, if it hasn't happened already. Oh, wow. Oh, no, it has not happened already. It, it, sure. I, I've been to England four times now and gone to all of the sites mentioned in the book multiple uh-huh. times, some of them. And I've had a close encounter with him and kind of technically speaking, maybe kind of did meet him uh-huh. where we exchanged a couple of words. But um, I, I don't I'm, I'm trying not to anticipate that. Right. Well, it's certainly not why I wrote the book, but that would right. that would be such a nerve wracking experience actually <laughs> meeting him. I'm, I'm sure yeah. I would sound like a raving idiot. Yeah, it can happen. It can happen. You you have to really let them be human. You know, mm-hmm. you ha- I remember when I was I interviewed um Henry Winkler and I was like, "Oh wow, Fonzie. I'm interviewing the Fonz, you know, and I was like, mm. I had and what's the same thing when I interviewed um Nora Ephron. I just was like, "Yeah. You got to just you got to drop it because you can't mm-hmm. t- I can't You know what it's like? Do you ever I saw the when I saw the crown, I think I was, or one of the, I was watching a movie, one of these things about English, about the queen, you know, I think it was called the queen. Mm-hmm. And they were mm-hmm. advising Tony Blair, the Tony Blair character. This is what you do when you meet the queen, you do this and you can't do this. Then you have to do this. And then you do that. And I thought that's how I feel when I turn someone into a celebrity. Like I'm like, like how do you behave around someone who is in a higher position than you? Like, I don't know how right. to do it. So I have to treat them yeah. as equal to me or else. And though it's hard if I've, you know, he was the Fonz. I watched, he was, he was <laughs> synonymous yeah. with the word cool when I was a kid. So I had mm-hmm. to do it. So, yeah. all right. So, all right. So I, I, as I said, I didn't think this was your first written novel. When you <laughs> had you written and tried to sell others when you were in a, once you became an adult fiction writer, or was this your first real serious attempt at the novel? And this is my first real serious attempt. Oh, I, I did my right. MFA thesis, I had to write a novel, and it was a variation on this. The story was quite different, but Jimmy Page was definitely a part of it. Oh, my Um, God. Wow. Yeah, and I did send it out to a couple of places and then realized it's just not ready, and I'm in no position to really work on it right now. So it just lay dormant for a long time. And so, but you wrote a lot of short form stuff, and I assume that that's helpful in terms of just... I think in terms of finding your voice, and I and I always think of voice yes. as mm-hmm. really. I, it was um, 
Andre Dubuse, who said this to me, and I, and I agree with him. He was like, it's really about understanding your subject matter. Like, what do you care about and why do you care about right. it? And then it's not about mm-hmm. how you use language so much. So, and I would think all that short fiction and short and, and nonfiction would, would have helped with that. Yeah, it helps with tightening, too. Yeah. Because I've got to yeah, get something you have as much time. That, yeah. Right. You don't have yeah. as much time, and you're writing a short piece. It's going in a journal, so it can only be X pages long or X words long, yeah. and, and you learn how to weed stuff out. And I think working on flash fiction is, was yeah. really helpful for me, too, because, boy, did I really have to tighten. Yeah. You know, Christy, I wrote – so I write creative nonfiction now. That's all mm-hmm. I do. And – but for a while, for Author Magazine, I was doing a 400-word essay every day. I'd publish five a week. For oh, my gosh. And, and, wow. yeah, so I, and, and literally, this is true, Christy. I said, okay, I don't want to spend all day writing these things, so I will only give myself 40 minutes to write one. And that taught wow. me so much. First of all, because I wanted to tell stories sometimes. I'm like, okay, Bill, you got 400 words to tell a story, so let's find out like, what, is, what actually needs to be in this story to work. And uh-huh. it was the best discipline, Christy. I learned yeah. so much about writing by finishing things. They onto the next one, onto the next one, onto the next one, onto the next one. Yeah, I wow. learned a ton about about how to be about economy and all that. <laughs> and talk about discipline, the discipline that would go into that too. Yeah, well, it taught me not to try to perfect anything. And I'll bet mm. you, Christy, because I've read your work, and you are somebody who toils over her sentences a little bit. I think she doesn't let one slip by. She'd be very unhappy if it, it wasn't <laughs> sewn up pretty tightly. And Right? But that's okay. That means you've got an yeah. aesthetic. Right? Right? That, oh, I can gosh, tell that. Yeah. But that's okay. But yeah. like, I would think for someone like yourself who has got such a clear, I think a clear idea of what she feels like a good sentence is um, mm. and a good paragraph is, you know, because paragraphs have their own heft to them, right? Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Story, right. That you would have to right. really monitor yourself and say, don't become a perfectionist because you will kill yourself. And that would be so hard for me. I, again, I am type A and I, I do labor over every word, over every mm-hmm. sentence. And, and I, yep. I love the freedom that you must have felt with that. But oh, that yes. would cause oh, yeah. me such anxiety. <laughs> I would start drinking <laughs> at nine in the morning if I had to do that. Well, I, I did some things psychologically. I said, nobody cares, which wasn't true. People were mm. reading them and liking them. Sure. And I, but yeah. I said, well, I'll just, I am not trying to perfect this one. I am seeing every essay as a part of one long body of work that's getting better and better. That was my theory. Nice. Of that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, and it was the best thing for me, man. I learned, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to go on about myself, but it taught me something I didn't realize that I needed to be taught about that I could get better when I stopped trying to be perfect that the work got better and looser. And some of the best stuff was the stuff that came out in one shot. I never changed a word because I was so I like loose. It. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I think that can be true for everybody. But, but people, if you read her work, you will enjoy, you know, when you, because she savored writing it. And so you can savor reading it, I think. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, it just, it just, it just feels like it. I can, I don't know, maybe it's my writer's eye, but I can tell. <laughs> So, all right, so you, you wrote a lot of short stuff, and you got some recognition, it sounds like, and you're teaching English. Do mm-hmm. you like teaching English? Mm-hmm. Is that just something you do because you got to pay the bills, or do you, like, enjoy it? And no, I, I do enjoy your it. Your colleagues aren't listening now, maybe. 
You do enjoy it? <laughs> I, I do. I've been doing this for 22 years. So oh, my God. I, I do like it. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope so. Jesus. Uh, well, I've right, been so strictly you... online for the past several, oh, gosh, since I think about uh, 2012. So when the pandemic hit, I was already teaching online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I teach at East Carolina University on the eastern part of the state, but I live six hours away on the western oh. part. So I have um, a, a wonderful chair who has let me continue to do this. And and before the pandemic, I would I would go back to Greenville for faculty meetings and whatnot. Right. But I haven't had to do that for a while now. So and you teach you teach English. So you're teaching. Are you teaching composition, or is it more just the standard? We read the books and talk about them, and read the books and talk about them. Uh, sort of all of the above. I, I, I teach freshman comp, business writing, literature, various literature classes. I've taught intro to fiction writing, that sort of thing. So it, okay, it works so again. Now, now that you are a a famous novelist. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> now <laughs> that you're that, now I, I is I always wonder this about English professors, people who are teaching literature. Like, does it begin mm. to shift your how you talk about literature? Because sometimes, oh, yeah. not not you, of course, but sometimes when I think back onto what my English professors were saying in college, I th- I think now they have no idea what a writer actually goes through when they write something, the way they would talk hmm. about it. Is that, that, that they don't actually understand the writer's relationship to the work, the kind of mysteriousness of it. Maybe it was mysterious mm. for you, but they seem to, I don't know. Does that make any sense? Do you think it'll change your relationship to the teaching or is it kind of stayed steady? I think my writing has definitely informed my teaching and vice versa. So yeah. it's a nice marriage. I, I really, okay. and I think that's one of the reasons why so many writers do teach. It's not just to pay the bills. I, I think it, it helps you sharpen your own work. And, and I think it, it – it, well, I'll just speak for myself. I, I do think yes. it has made me a better teacher of literature and writing, doing it myself. Uh, I would think so. You just have a, a more kind of – it makes – it takes the um, – it takes some of the um, – it becomes more of a real thing as opposed to this sort of magic. Sure. I mean, there's magic in it, but you know, you know how to oh, – yeah. I feel like if you're going to be an artist, you've got to work with the magic. You've know, you got to know how to do it, right? I love you that be you a, said that. It, that is so true, and there there is nothing scarier, and it, this never goes away. And I don't know how you feel about <laughs> it, but it never goes away from me. Every time I sit down to write and I'm looking yeah. at that screen, yeah. it's terrifying. It's like, is yeah. the muse going to be here today yeah. or not? Hey, man, that's why I wrote I, – I, I have a career because of that, <laughs> because of yeah. that. I always think of my students, and I think it's really helpful for them. I say, I sit down to write every day. And a lot of times I'm writing, I used to be, sometimes I would write two or three essays a week, plus I'd be working on a book or something. And usually I am never in the mood to write. And often when I'm starting an mm-hmm. essay, my first thought is, I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh-huh. I got, and you yep. have to like get you, I think as a professional writer, you have to know how to deal with that, that moment of facing the page. At the, you got to know what to do with that moment and not beat yourself yeah. up over it and not panic over it yeah. and know that it's part of the journey, you know? Right. Well, that, that's one of the main things I learned from writing this thing is just be willing to write a lot of crap and yeah. hope that you can break through and, and something will come and you can reshape it. 
Yeah. My, my son, has been, he's got this story he wants to write. He's 22, and he's terrified of even mm. putting one word, afraid it's going to be bad. And he just, this afternoon, oh. burst into, he was up all night. He said, I was up all night. I couldn't sleep. I said, why? He said, the story. That's that story. And it's oh. pure gold, Dad. And, and, but, wow. but he won't write it. He won't write it. And then he burst into my office and said, it just occurred to me, if it's crap, it'll be my crap. And I was like, there you go. That's a good step. Yeah. It's a good step. But you got oh, you got to do it. Here, here, I'm going to give you one thing. I'll give you one, some, some guidance. If there's any use at all, one thing to think about when you sit down, you're terrified by the blank page, and you're wondering if the muse will visit. Here's what I can tell you. She is always there. She always wants to play. She always wants to tell a story. But you have to let your attention get where she is. She's there, nice. but you're not. It's not about her. It's about where I believe it in my bones. It's just where is your attention? Can't be on the news. Can't be on your bills. Can't be on your lovers or your friend. It's got to be with the story 100%. And when it is, she'll be there. What do you think of that? Well, I'm really glad you told me that because I felt mom used this off watching reruns of Beverly Hills no. 90210. No, okay, she doesn't want it. She doesn't care about that. She wants to tell a story, but she needs your help. I'm all good. good. It, it, thank you so much. Now, that, that's good to know. Yeah, it's true. It really is true. And I think it's a helpful thing because <laughs> if you think it's capricious, then you're like, well, I'll just roll the dice and hope she shows up. And that's mm. good. that's just that's good. okay. Christy, you're going to do OK. You're going to do OK. Thank you got you. the good stuff. This is just the first step in your novel writing journey. And it's a great wow. first step. You should be proud of it. You should be really proud of it. Um, and there's, I bet there's a lot of good stuff coming. A lot of good stuff coming. Oh. From I can't wait to read it. So Fingers for crossed. our, oh yeah, oh it's coming. So for my listeners who want to find out about you, where can they go uh, find out more about you? They can go to my website at www.christyalexanderhalberg.com and all the information is there. Yeah. All right. Good, good. Go check it out, people. Oh, hey, and this is the sort of book if people want you to come zoom into their living room and talk to their Chardonnay drinking friends about your book, will you do that? <laughs> I will. I'll have Pinot Grigio, but I'll be there. Oh, oh good. Uh, Pinot Grigio. God, I miss a good Pinot Grigio. Okay. All right, listen, I got one more question for you, Christy. All right. I got one more question. Yep. If writing, mm-hmm. all the writing you've done, fiction and nonfiction, short and long, if all the writing you've done yep. has taught you anything, it's taught you what? I think more than religion or more than really anything else, it's taught me to have faith in a process in what I'm doing, and that's hard because I am type A, but I think of a quote from Jimmy Page that I kept on my bulletin board while ah. I wrote this book. He said, I may not believe in myself, but I believe in what I'm doing. And you have to believe in your vision. And you have to stay the course. And those are cliches for a reason. But, okay, now what marketing and promotion have taught me is far more concrete and clear. So new writers, uh-huh. listen up. Never have more than one drink before reading or interview. Ah. Just step away from the alcohol. Ah. And you'll be good. Good. Good, solid advice. It's true. I actually, you know, I don't, I, my drinking, if I do it, always happens after. That's one of my little, after. that's one of my little rewards. Good advice. I love it. It Good is. Man. It's the process. Have faith in the process. Cause you know what? If you don't believe in yep. this book, nobody else, it's not going to help you. If anybody else does, you have to believe in it more right. than anybody else. That's so true. Agreed. Christy, it is a delight to talk to you. Congratulations you on the book. Thank you so much, Bill. I had a blast. Ah, it's 
Good fun talking to you. Good luck. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, people, trust the process. It's the process. The process. That's what you do. Yeah. Hey, I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. You're fabulous. I uh, got a, oh boy, we've got a fun one next. I've already recorded it uh, with a uh, slam poet. She's an interesting young woman. Uh, I can't remember her name now. Sabrina Benane. That's her name. Ooh, what a fascinating conversation. So that's going to be next week. So until then, go find something you love to do and do it. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.